And John Cena was a doctor of thugonomics. I was like, oh, I need to start watching wrestling regularly. It, it kept me back because at that point okay. in life, I'm thinking like around ruthless aggression. It was like, you know, when I was getting old, I was like, oh, I watch wrestling when I watch it. Mm -hmm. But when he became, when he started to switch over, I was like, this is the rap. Like, I love battle rap. I love rap that's not like terribly explicit, like at the time. And I was just like, I came back to wrestling regularly because of the doctor of thugonomics, which goes back to my roots in, in hip hop and pop and bringing it together. So I like, if, if I didn't love music, I don't think I would love wrestling. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space. So you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately you'll be contacted with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to include our podcast, Breaking Through the Glass Ceilings, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. So anybody who knows me knows that I am a huge pro wrestling fan. In fact... It runs in my family. Here's the funny thing about today's episode. As you can see, the person who I'm interviewing shares the same last name. That's the one and only Miss Britt Waters. Britt and I met at a pro wrestling show, AEW, the first Dynamite in DC. She was covering the event interviewing fans before the show so you know we met took a picture i was like hey that's Britt waters and i brought her on break it down with brian h last year she agreed to come on and we talk wrestling and the more we got to know each other this past year realized that we really have a lot of similar interests but obviously both things that we both do is being in the media business so after a few fans kept asking her or I, hey, are y'all related? Are y'all related? We just decided to go ahead and create the bloodline. And now might as well just go ahead and say it, whether it's in the bloodline somewhere down the line that we're cousins. So I'm excited for y'all to hear this conversation as uh, we deemed it family time, as we got a chance to really just talk about all the things that she's done in her career and how much we really have in common so there's no denying somewhere that the bloodline crosses so ladies and gentlemen here's my episode with the one and only miss Britt waters all right ladies and gentlemen on the line today so here's a uh quick story as of now that uh, is to be determined, but I'm gonna just go ahead and say it, and I, I probably won't get heat for this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say officially, I have my cousin on the line, the one hey. and only, it's Britt Waters, my bloodline. Um, Britt, how you doing? I am great. Thank you for having me on. We finally made it happen. How are you doing? Um, I'm all right. You know, um, it's <laughs> we we in the midst of a pandemic, and you know, we just trying to um get through it but it's, it's it, not funny but you know i guess a coincidence that it's almost a year ago that you was on my podcast break it down with brian h and mm -hmm. we met almost two years ago at the first aew show and 
now we've established a bloodline and you know it was always the question are y'all related this this that and the other <laughs> and then obviously yes. realizing um both of us in media both of us mm-hmm. love wrestling i mean i think that right there just says it all and yeah. You love cars too. I mean, I, I love yeah. cars, but obviously you go to another level and see that's where <laughs> you're like my dad on that aspect. <laughs> As okay. he, you know, uh, the car show is something. And that was actually the last thing we did as far as having an outing before the pandemic. We went to the car show in Baltimore and wow. it was, it, and it, unfortunately it wasn't the same. Uh, I remember when we were younger, it was a lot of cars, you know, three levels. Then he was like, man, I'm telling you, it ain't the same, but he don't want to go to DC or Detroit where I want him to go. <laughs> but, um, you know, the Philly so one is pretty good too. Huh? The Philly one is pretty good too. Oh yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've been telling him he got to go out of sit out of the city. He, yeah. you know, he, he's stuck in his way, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so when did you decide that you wanted to get into the media business? When did you decide you wanted to study this? From birth. (laughs) Um, So I remember being really young and everyone asked you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always told my mom I wanted to drive the ice cream truck. And then she sat me down and she was like, you got to stop telling people that. Um, Let's let's pick another career path. So I was watching Fresh Prince when Hillary was like the weather girl. So I thought that's how real like meteorologists were. I was like, oh, they give you a script, you read it, you talk on camera. So I was like, okay. So I wanted to be the weather girl. And then I realized you have to actually study meteorology. Terrible at science. So then I transitioned into, I wanted to be Oprah. I dressed up like a broadcaster for a career day in elementary school. And ever since that's been the only thing that I could even picture myself doing besides driving the ice cream truck. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring up the ice cream truck because that leads to another story. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side, he had an ice cream truck briefly. And my mother Ooh. said when I was born and I've had to have been probably less than two, he had uh, got this ice cream truck and his name is Paul. My uncle who got me into wrestling really heavy or, um, well, my mother got me into it because when she was pregnant, I was kicking uh, every time Aww. I come on. But my uncle who, like kind of molded the passion, uh, him, and his name is Troy. And then me, Brian, he named it, uh, btb btp ice cream okay so yeah he had a truck for probably i think maybe a year she said one time he was on vacation and um out of town and so she had to sell ice cream out of it so it's funny you bring that up i know i could have been part of the family business right (laughs) you know um but uh so when you was in high school did you do anything media related i know um Sometimes there's media classes or, well, you know, journalism classes. Did you do any of that? Yes, for sure. Um, I went to public school in Deferent Township. Shout out to New Jersey. And we had like a little morning news type of class or we did the morning news. So I did that. Um, But I was also, anytime I could be doing some type of public speaking, I would do it. I was president of my class. So I did a speech at graduation and everything just felt smoothly there. So I knew I had to go somewhere. That was very great for broadcasting, which led me to University of Maryland. That was within driving distance to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where that's how it happened. Okay, I was going to ask you what made you choose the University of Maryland versus any other schools, or you know, even going to uh, Philly or staying in Jersey. It was the Philip Merrill College of Journalism that really got me, and then 
I was in the marching band in high school and college. So we had our band competition. It was at M&T Bank Stadium. And we were like, oh my gosh, we're in the Raven Stadium. So we had the band competition. And at the end, while they were calculating the votes, uh, they had a college band come and it was the Mighty Sound of Maryland Marching Band. And I was just obsessed. I was like, I'm going to be in that band. I'm going to that school. I'm going to get into that journalism school and I'm going to be SVP. Uh, what did you play? <laughs> I played the snare drum in the drum line. <laughs> wow. Wow. So um, I used to. So, you know, I'm a church drummer from mm -hmm. age of 12 to I'm semi-retired. Um, okay. You know, I still got, well, my gospel group is still active, but the pandemic has put that on hold. I was actually mm -hmm. like, so I was about to have my um, farewell. Like I was on my last run. Like if you could have gotten, if I could have gotten a um, Stone Cold Steve Austin vest, I would <laughs> wear that that whole day as I was getting ready for our last anniversary. Cause I was in my head thinking one more run from- uh, This is it, yeah. Yeah, WrestleMania 19. And then my group manager, um, I called, you know, in my extended family called Pops. He passed it on to my brother, Maurice. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I'm like in tears because it's like a moment. I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to quit yet. But it's funny you uh, played the snare drill because I actually tried to out uh, for the band one day. Oh. Didn't make it. But I was going to be on the um, the bass drum. OK, <laughs> bass drum is great, though. Yeah. I am like this, the woman version of you. This is so weird. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, we family. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, you so you was in the band while in, was you using band in college as well? Yeah, I was in Mighty Sound of Mar yeah. Maryland marching band uh, my first two years. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting really uh, into the broadcasting field. So I had to, you know, start doing play by play and, and radio and reporting during big sporting events. So I couldn't be in the band. And then I started working full time by my senior year. So I only did the band for freshman and sophomore year, but it was like an amazing experience. I love marching. Wow. Band. So, Such I, a nerd. <laughs> so, um, play by play or color commentary, which one did you enjoy more? I loved color because you know, at Maryland, it's a big journalism school. So like a lot of people, all of the guys will kind of push you a certain way when you're a woman. Now this is before Doris Burke broke barriers and is doing play-by-play -play in the NBA. I had never really seen it. So I just imagine that a woman has to do color and a man does play-by-play. -play. And to get kind of in the swing of things, when it came to our, our sports station, I had to go, you know, work my way around it to other sports that I wasn't as familiar with. So I definitely was like, let me do color and not play by play because this is my first lacrosse game. I did volleyball matches. I did everything. And then I ended up leaving the sports station and just doing a sport talk show to be the full-time PA announcer for Maryland soccer. And that really like set everything off because at Maryland, you know, soccer is our thing. Like football players are cool, basketball players are cool, but our soccer team is always good, always great. So it's it's definitely a feeling to be the voice of the soccer team. Would you ever get back into it? Like into PA? Of, yeah, and play-by-play -play and color commentary? I would. I love um, all aspects of it, and it's come up now because of the pandemic. There's like a need for people. Um, I was trying to get into that that wobble so bad that I was like, I can do it all. Just let me in. Oh, so I man. would get back into it, but I love the entertainment aspects of all other types of sports hosting. So mm -hmm. it's not just my main goal anymore. I, 
I, I'll do whatever they they tell me to do for real. <laughs> oh, so I'm gonna put this in the atmosphere. Um, pro wrestling. Would you <laughs> want to call a match? Of course. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I, what? I forgot to the answer, but I just had to make sure. Um, yeah, we got to figure out this out because so I call um, uh, WSU. I forgot the title of the show. Uh, I want to say it was Breaking Barriers 4. That might be the wrong one. But the main okay. event was a War Games match. And in the match, I remember it was Mia Yim, Leva Bates, um, Chrissy Rivera, and so many people. And it was different because, and, and I'm not making any excuses, but one of the things I noticed with that is that you have to have chemistry with the person you're sitting aside with. I was asked to fill in because I was the social media manager and being a social media manager for the uh, company, I knew all the storylines. So it was like, okay, we don't have a color guy. Hey, well, Brian can do it. Um, I don't care for the owner as much. He was real quiet during the, when the hell the women were speaking out for uh, reasons. So he wouldn't get caught. But mm-hmm. that was one thing he had recommended to my boy, Blake. Blake was the booker at the time. He said, well, why wow. don't we have Brian do it? So I, um, you and know. Shout out to those friends. Because that's yeah. how I've gotten so many jobs. It's just like, I never would have seen myself in this space until someone dropped my name in a room that I wasn't in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for me, it was definitely something I wanted to do. Um, I'll send you a clip. Uh, it was cool being it. able to call like me and Yim getting in there. And, you yeah. know, it was some things I kind of overprepared. Like I was like, I knew she had did the cage of death or not. Maybe not the cage. No, she was in a cage match with Allison K uh, mm-hmm. a few years prior when I believe she broke Allison K's nose. So I was like, she's there's, um, you know, she's used to cages and chaos. Or something yes. like that. But I'm sitting here like, well, maybe if we had Britt and Brian calling a match, yes. <laughs> it would work out. Because we obviously, you know, we've done a few shows together now. So mm-hmm. with the guy, shout out to MOJ. He's great at what he does. I just didn't know, like, I didn't want to jump over him. And, you know, so I felt like I couldn't be as good because I didn't have that. Uh, we probably had had 10 conversations before mm-hmm. that day. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you got to go sit with him for a whole show. And he was great. You know, he was like, you know, he didn't um, he was very patient. And, you know, he didn't when he let me he would let me speak. So I got to give shout out to him. But, yeah, I think that would be, you know, something you would be great at in wrestling because I I love it. And the the opportunity has come up so many times, but you know, it has to be the right way. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. go to a random promotion if I don't know anything about it. Um, I was also going to do some ring announcing, but COVID happens. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I am so into sports entertainment because my whole career has been sports and entertainment. So putting it together, it's just like the perfect combination to me. Yeah, I think that's uh, one thing that I always respected about you is you make sure you give it your all. You know, you're not just going, oh, yeah, just to see me. No, you want to make sure it's the right thing that you know about the promotion that way you can give mm-hmm. everybody their uh just do as far as respecting what they do yes a hundred percent and especially when it comes to wrestling i tell people it's a different audience because everybody can call themselves an nba and nfl fan that's just part of being an american we're all mm-hmm. around sports 
So that happens, but people can exist without ever having a connection to wrestling. So I tell people that think they can just jump in the business for some clout that is not going to work because people can see right through it. Wrestling fans are so, you know, attached to it that they will see if you are not authentic. They will see if you don't know what you're talking about. They will see if you're just here for, you know, the bright lights and you have to really ingratiate yourself with that audience because they kind of determine what, what's happening. You know, you can have all of the pro wrestling friends, but like if you're not tapped in, you're not going to be respected. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to stick with wrestling since we're there. Um, <laughs> you to show my uh, wrestling opinion, uh, which I'm a huge fan of, obviously. Thank you. Uh, when did, were you nervous about your first show? Yes. Oh my gosh. I look back at it. I'm like, oh, it looks terrible. Like what? <laughs> um, so I had been putting together a show that was very different. I was traveling to all of the AEW shows and you were part of it. Mm -hmm. I was interviewing people in line. So I did it here, I did it in Philly, I did it in a few places and I was enjoying it. And as soon as I was planning the launch and all this stuff, show stopped. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> so bummed. Cause I had all of this content and I was excited about it. So it was a part of me that felt like maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do because, you know, what a coincidence that I make a, sh uh, a show around pro wrestling shows and pro wrestling shows now I can't go to. Mm -hmm. So it was a part of me that had a little bit of doubt there. And then I was like, you know what, let me just pivot and try to do this show from my apartment <laughs> and just talking about my wrestling opinion and see if people even care or respond. So I was definitely nervous, but I think I got reassured by just the community and just everyone being like, yo, this is cool. Keep doing it. Keep going. Because I had this thought in my mind that I wasn't supposed to make wrestling content because <laughs> when I did, <laughs> wrestling shows stopped. Yeah, but the best thing about, I noticed, you know, as we obviously 10 years in the wrestling realm is bringing people together, but meeting other wrestling fans. You know, when yes. first time, I, so I had a show with my cousin who I've cut off, um, but once he, you know, kept getting in trouble, it was like, he got in trouble at the wrong time. We get momentum. And yeah. I'm like, come on, dude, you six years older than me. You should know better. And that's when, you know, I go to school, meet Dwayne and the rest is history. But we start going to shows. And this is at the time Ring of Honor was in Baltimore. And uh -huh. I was like, yo, people like really know us, like coming up to me. Hey, you notice that now? And I really noticed it when I had made the announcement on Facebook that I was moving to Connecticut to work at ESPN and MCW used to do their uh, brawl. Um, it was like a show they used to do to be um, rally in the alley. It was the last show before football season. They would do it in uh, White Marsh. And I saw like, I got like a lot of love from fellow wrestler fans, like wishing me good luck. Like, oh, we gonna still see you around? Like, Oh, yeah, the, the Rome ain't going nowhere. You know, we'll figure it out. So um, I'm really excited, especially for you when shows do open back up to see, you know, the my wrestling opinion live at shows. Yes, I, I love it. I got a little taste from doing the Instagram lives on pay-per-view days because mm -hmm. like I literally I have like, you know, you or someone that I know to come on with me and then I open it up. And, you know, my Instagram is public. So whoever wants to come on and join can come through. And to see people from all around the world tap in, it's crazy. And it's those moments that 
you can't really get in traditional media anymore because you know, you got to have a bleep button. We have to have the delay. We have to have you sign a waiver. But I'm like, I'm live on Instagram and anybody can come and tell me I'm an idiot because I like Baron Corbin or like, I don't know anything. We can go back and forth. So it's those moments that really make me excited to do it mm-hmm. and excited to check out everybody else's content too. I knew he was going to slide Baron Corbin in there. <laughs> I had to. He's my king. Oh, man. He's my king. <laughs> I'll say this since we first did the show, he's grown on me a lot. Um, there we go. I, I, you know, I will never be as big of a fan as you, Blake, and my boy Banks, <laughs> but uh, he's definitely grown on me. Um, you know, he's <laughs> he's King Corbin. People will say they want to see him take off the crown. Do you? When it makes sense. But I mean, that's his whole persona now. <laughs> Um, but I do think that he's such a good heel and has been for so long that it's time. It, it might be time. It might be time to go face. And what? I think that's when he drops the kingship. Not like now, but like he's put so many people over. I what I feel like he deserves a moment where people really like you. I, I heard one of his interviews. I think it was with Buster. I want to say it was a Buster out of Philly. And he was just like, it's so hard to be a heel and to come out and get booed every single time. And I'm like, man, you've been a heel for a long time. He's doing like, it so well, like compared to the so first well. time when he had hair, mm-hmm. he was annoying. But now I'm like, You're... I don't even know if we can call that hair. It was scraggly and wet. <laughs> the hairline was. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like now he's good. Um, but, yeah. you know. Y'all, y'all Corbin fans. I don't want to see him turn face. I mean, I know we'll get we'll get going on a wrestling conversation. We'll say that for a <laughs> special. Um, but you know, so switching over, so you got in, you said you hosting and sports entertainment. What was your first opportunity out of college? Um, so my first opportunities were in school. Maryland has this where we have to do internships. It's not an option for us. I was interning at the Baltimore Business Journal, doing a bunch of digital videos for them. I remember I met so many people and I was like, hey, I really want to do radio. And this was back when, before podcasting was what it is now. Mind you, I graduated in 2013. So people were scared about terrestrial radio and where it was going. Everyone's like, you need to do TV. You need to do print. And I was like, I really wanted to do radio. I got a chance to um, tour WKYS. And I was like, I want to intern with the morning show. Like mornings is like my thing. And they were like, we do not have interns. So I got a different internship in the building and then would just sit with them all of the time. And I ended up just becoming their intern. It went from picking up Starbucks drinks to, hey, can you watch the board for a minute? Hey, can you voice this? How's your writing? And it just was a natural flow. And then after graduation, I think it was like <laughs> two days after graduation, I was ready to take this like MMJ role in Tyler, Texas, reporting news, which I didn't want to do. But I thought that's what I think. I'm pretty sure the salary was like $19,000 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to pick up and move my whole life. And Russ Parr himself called me and he was like, we want you to bring you on as our um, assistant producer. And I was like, you saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> so that happened my senior year and then became official like a day after graduation. Wow, that's amazing. So you you graduated 13 also? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's when I graduated. Now, granted, I'm older. And so I took, it's supposed to be one and it'll be a <laughs> three-year break. Um, so that's, that's- I recommend that because- as soon as you go to college mm-hmm. and you come out and you have bills to pay, you're never going to have another chance to take a break. 
Yeah. Well, so with me, I went to community college mm-hmm. and um, I didn't do well the first semester. So I could only take uh, part time classes for the next two next three semesters. Then that the following. So that's my third year. The next two semesters, I was taking full a full schedule. You know I mean, even at one point it took 19 credits because I was like, I'm not going to be Ooh. in community college four years. And in yeah. Baltimore, a lot of people would say I went to Baltimore City Community College, but wouldn't graduate. So I would like had this chip on my shoulder. No, I will mm-hmm. be somebody who will finish. And mm-hmm. because of that, I took a year break. Like I said, it was supposed to be one. Um, ended up being three and then when I went that's when I went to Morgan State and then I was going major in broadcast journalism and right before I started school shout out to Monique Jones from the undefeated she told me about production so that's when I got into yeah. production. and I was going double major but then I ended up taking um I was mixing the classes and instead of them rushing through my last semester I took my time which I'm glad I did because Dwayne Wickham came and took the uh changed the whole school Wow. Were you a part of NABJ? Um, Not until after college. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I know quite a few people, um, you know, every time at the convention, I always see all the Maryland graduates get together and take their pick. Shout out to Kelsey and Jesse, because they always like leading the pack. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's, I never really tapped into that resource the way I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been blessed to have opportunities happen in an organic way, but I love that it's there for people. And I wish that I took more advantage of that circle because networking, especially in this industry is so important. And, and not only just networking so you can get opportunities and jobs, but just so you can have conversations with people who know what you're going through, who can help you with something or just someone to vent to that understands and that's what I found was some of the hardest parts of working in this industry. And, you know, my roommate for seven years until like four years ago, of course, we got old and had to not be roommates. <laughs> like she was a school teacher and like she didn't understand why I had to go to a club and, and sell people to buy drinks and scream on a microphone or like some of the pressures of things like that. So I, I love that NABJ and all organizations like that exist. Yeah, one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, at the next convention, uh, which we now know um, Houston will be virtual, so Vegas, I'm going to try to organize a a group of us who are wrestling fans. So, Oh, yes. (laughs) You know, uh, shout out to David Shealy, who's been on the show. Um, You know, try to get a bunch of us wrestling fans who are in in a BJ to all come together. And maybe even if it's just a, a show or something, you know, just mm-hmm. create some content. Yes, so, create content. And, and even if we're just chilling and getting some food, like exactly oh, to be in that room would just be so such a good feeling. Yeah. I mean, we're everywhere, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, we're everywhere. Um, so when how did you get into uh hosting with uh digital automotive? You know, I saw you with the cool cars and I'm like, wow, those <laughs> look amazing. How'd you get into that? Yeah, so I was at uh 947 Fresh FM doing nights. Mm-hmm. And one of our production guys had um, auto mentality. It was like a, a sports, uh, it was a car blog. And he would always do a lot of like freelance video for exclusive automotive, who is the Bentley and Aston Martin dealer out in Tyson's. And he was like, you know, we had someone on, they were trying to do the clickbait pretty girl video. And I guess it didn't work. And he was like, we really just need someone who can talk 
So can you come and just read something and then we'll see, we'll see what happens. And then I walked in and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, I need to drive this car. Like I need to, <laughs> you know, do all those steps. And they really just gave me some freedom with it. And, you know, we're like so many millions of views in that it's, it's so fun. So I do all of their digital car tours and test drives. I host all of the events around the city, including the car show. Um, and a lot of like the private events, we did like a polo match and had Bentleys there. Like it's opened up so many doors and, and just cool connections with people. And who doesn't want to drive, you know, half a million dollar cars. <laughs> Were you always like heavy in the cars growing up? So my dad was obsessed with cars and mm. I blame him. Um, he's like a vet guy. So he's always like, mm, okay, you could do <laughs> these little cars. And he got me into cars a lot. Um, I had car posters on my wall when I was growing up, mm-hmm. but, um, it's one of those things that I was like, I grew up and I loved, and then like, I lost my love for it as I, you know, got into other things as an adult, started watching, I don't know, music videos and wrestling and things like that. And then just being around them so much, I've gotten back into it and it's, it's so fun. So I'm pretty sure he's asked you like a lot of questions about them when he saw you doing like the videos. Yes. He's like, can you bring one home? I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> So I used- they're always like, great, take the car for the weekend. I was like, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want this car parked in Southeast where I stay. You don't want that <laughs> smoke. I used to sell cars for about six months. And Please my dad cool. was, who's also like heavy in the cars. He would just come up. And at the time I wasn't driving. So when he would pick me up from work, he would just come look around or like that, get off at nine. He'd come in at 830 just so he could browse the lot. And he said that was something he always wanted to do. He just didn't want to do with the paper, deal with the paperwork. And I was yeah. like, no, nah, you don't even do that much. You just write a couple of things and hand it to the finance manager. So, yeah, I think what's your uh, dream car? Like lifelong, I always wanted a Hummer. And okay. of course, now I would have to get like an old one, trick it out, do something like that. But mm. that it was something that I always loved. And then now, as an adult, I love the Bentley Bentayga. I think because okay. I've spent so much time with it. Mm-hmm. And I drive currently, I own a Fiat. So that's a big difference <laughs> from a Hummer and a Bentayga. But it's just the sense of power you feel when you're in it. Oh man. Because it's so big and commanding, but it's also the the luxury part of you're in a Bentley. Yeah. Like that that comes together and I just love that. So I would really want a Bentega, but like 12-year-old me wanted a Hummer really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So you uh with the Wizards. Um uh. did you like grow first of all, growing up, who was your team? Was it the Sixers? Or did you not have a team or you gonna say not applicable at this moment? Here we go. Um, I grew up in South Jersey mm-hmm. and my dad had this Sixers poster in his office. And I don't know what like little Brit was thinking, but I always thought that like this picture was him back in the day when he used to play, you know, how dads always hype up their athletic abilities to you. <laughs> and it was, it was actually a picture of Dr. Dre, uh, of Dr. J. And I was like, <laughs> I really thought Julius Irvin was my dad and that my dad was this big 76er superstar in uh-huh. my head. So, of course, that's who I was a fan of. When reality hit me, I was like, that's not you, Dad. That's not you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I grew up, I was Allen Iverson for Halloween once, and then I just decided to be him 
for life for like a year in middle school. I would like Sharpie his tattoos on me. I had braids all of the time. Like I just wanted to be Allen Iverson. So I've always been an NBA fan like my entire life. Do you remember the commercials with the crossovers? Absolutely. <laughs> I used to be able to rap the entire like Reebok commercial that he did with Jada Kiss. And then I always had an issue because I was a huge Kobe fan my oh. entire life. But it was okay because he was from Philly and I'm from South Jersey. So it felt okay. But it was always like, you cannot be a Laker fan, blah, blah, blah. So my my likes have always been all around. But now I am so dedicated as a Wiz fan. Yeah. So um, how did you get that opportunity? And, you know, can you talk about like, you know, essentially it's a dream. You work in an NBA, lifelong NBA fan and the WNBA. Yeah. Um, so I am very tall for a woman and... For some reason, God did not bless me with athletic ability when it comes to basketball. I could always make the team because of my height. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at free throws. But like I, for a minute, thought I was going to be in the WNBA and win a championship. So to be able to win a WNBA championship as, <laughs> as a host was kind of a full circle moment for me. And all those times I was sitting on the bench in high school playing basketball. But I was doing some hosting and one of my friends was like, you really need to get into an arena sports hosting. Like it's, it's a job that's like made for you. You already do it in life on the radio. And it was literally a Google search. I was like, who owns all the teams in DC? Monumental sports jobs. Did a Google search, went to an audition and did a traditional audition in front of an empty crowd and got hired as one of the arena football league hosts for the Washington Valor. And from that, I just grew in the monumental family. I connected with the Mystics because I had done play-by-play -play women's basketball for Maryland. And at the time, half the Mystics were Terps. So it was perfect. I was like, wow, I remember announcing you in college and now I'm doing the same professionally. So growing with the Mystics, it was just a natural progression to get to the Wizards. And it's been, it's been a, a journey. Like well, you got two championships with the Valor and the um, mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what did it mean when you got that ring? Because I, I, so I marked out because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, family. So, yeah. And, and one of my goals is to work for a team, be it the Ravens or the Orioles. Um, and, you know, so you, when I see this and I see you with your ring, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. But what did that mean? It, it was a win for like everybody mm -hmm. for me. It was a win for like every little girl who is, awkwardly tall like me who, who can't dribble and it was just a, it just opened doors for me to see like how far you can go in sports without ever having to touch the ball mm -hmm. and it just felt so fulfilling um, not just for me but for everyone like showing a ring off to my family like crying with the players after the game like it's been a journey especially with the mystics organization and i think we won at the right time if you remember we had a finals appearance the year before and it was a mess. We weren't in our home arena. We were jumping from college to college. Um, I hosted for them when there was nobody in this in the stands. And now games are sold out. It's hard to get a Mystics ticket. So it was a journey that I felt like I went on with them. So getting that ring not only just solidified me and the Mystics family, but just me as like a, a person in in sports hosting. And I don't take it for granted. I love it.
Yeah, I remember the campaign running back, you know, and because mm-hmm. the, the first one was like, man, you obviously being in this area, you root for them when they're there, if you know, yeah. you know who your team is, unless you want in Baltimore people that just can't stand D.C. But <laughs> there's so many. So while there's not a lot of Wizards fans in Baltimore, there's a handful, but there's so many Mystics fans. And I think uh-huh. it's because like when the WNBA started, those who love WNBA just like hop right on, you know? So when the first one, it was like, oh man, but now here you, it's like, it was a blessing in disguise. It was because I feel like the way we won was what the fans deserved. Mm-hmm. There are founding fans that I talked to who have been through it all. And to win in that atmosphere and to know that, the presentation that we were putting on was also a championship presentation. I've talked to players around the league who are like, we are intimidated to play in DC because so many WNBA teams are playing in NBA, you know, arenas that are empty. So they're like, we come to DC and it's loud and it's crazy and fans are passionate. And, and I don't know if it's just me leading the pack or just people super into it. It was really making a statement. And I feel like WNBA fans will always be of such importance to me because they're different. When you think about the NBA, the NFL, people go there for business meetings. They go there to show off their outfits. They go to NBA games just to have a good hot dog day or somewhere to take the kids. But when you go to a WNBA game, you're usually invested. You're a WNBA fan to even get that far. So I, it's a different atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the uh, pandemic has shifted how you do your job with the Wizards. And which yeah. I think is incredible. And trust me, um, I'm not just saying this because you want to hear me. We fan. <laughs> so obviously, I'm a huge fan of yours. But thank you to see how y'all been able to do the virtual things. Uh, when did that idea come up? And was that something that you was nervous about on whether or not it would work or whether it would get, you know, people engaged? For sure. Um, it was definitely an awkward transition. I mean, as soon as I, I was actually chosen for NBA All-Star and I had all of these ideas and I'm super excited when we got back. And I think it was maybe two weeks and they shut the league down. Mm-hmm. So we were like, what are we going to do? When the team went to the bubble, we had kind of a virtual show and it really works. And we were like, how can we incorporate this into game days when, you know, we started a whole new season. And for me, it was natural because my background's in radio. So I felt at home. I was like, I was telling my co-host, I am used to sitting in a studio talking to myself. And telling people to get hype and things already. So I'm used to the empty arena feeling. I was more nervous in front of 20,000 fans. So I feel more at home. I think the worst part is talking through a mask, but whatever it takes to be safe and to be secure and to still put the show on, I will do. What's been some of your favorite moments this season? I mean, I got to say right now, the five game winning streak. <laughs> um. <laughs> But outside of that, like I said, I I was so blessed to be chosen as one of the NBA hosts at All-Star last year. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, it felt like people were coming up to me and giving me their condolences. They were like, we're sorry Bradley Beal's not here. I was the person, the only host from the Wizards, and they would come up to me, people from all over, like, we're so sorry Brad's not here. Brad should be here. Respect to you guys. Shout out to DC, blah, blah, blah. And it was frustrating. And I was like, I want the world to know what we have here. So I think the best moment so far was him being named not only to the All-Star game, but as an All-Star starter. And to see how, you know, people really are respecting him, not just as a Washington Wizard, but as one of the best players in the league right now. 
Yeah, it's it's so weird because if you follow the Wizards, you know Bradley mm-hmm. Bill's been that dude. Even yeah. when John Wall was here, you know, Bradley Bill has been that guy. And I know people always tried to create this dissemination between the two that they don't like each other. So fake. And it's it's annoying because it's like you got out. So I was in Connecticut at the time and this, you know, working at ESPN a lot of times some teams can get lost in the shuffle, but mm. the Wizards were one of those teams that was like a, a marquee game. We paid attention to them. And, you know, I was there the night when, no, I had just came home. Uh, me, my wife and kids were out the night that he, uh, I think it was Paul Pierce hit the shot. Oh. And, and um, you know, it was, it was a big moment and it felt like that team could get to the Eastern conference finals. Unfortunately, the Hawks were in the way. I think yeah, it was the Hawks, right? Yeah. When you get, yeah, when you get a little piece of momentum, mm-hmm. it changes everything. When I tell you about a week ago, people were like shaming the Wizards, talking all this crap, and now you get a little win streak, and people are like, "We winning the championship!" Like, you know, fans <laughs> can be fair weather, so you got to stay loyal to your team. Um, seeing Brad get his flowers was amazing. Being back with the fans is just amazing, and then. Of course, when we acquired Alex Len, Alex Len was another person I used to announce in college at Maryland. So to have him on our team, it's it's another full circle moment. That's just like, wow, we both really doing the exact same thing we were doing and in the positions that we want to be in. Yeah. Now I want to shift to your radio career because you've, you know, been a prominent voice in D.C. Just can you talk about what Thank it's you. like to do that, especially in a major market? Thank you so much. Um, I can't think of another city that I would want my journey to be in. And the way that the district has embraced me and and the ways I can touch the city, it's been an amazing journey. Because at this point, I've been on (laughs) three radio stations in D.C. So to see the same people kind of follow my journey and and listen to my shows, it's it's amazing. Being with Russ Parr was like a life-changing, career-changing moment. Uh, working with people I, I dreamed of that were veterans in the game. I learned everything and absorbed it. But, you know, growing up, you know, I come from a church family. I couldn't listen to all of the little Kim and the Murder, Inc. that I wanted to. So I was very much like a pop fan. I had Britney Spears t-shirts. Like, I still have a crush on AJ from Backstreet Boys, but I respect his marriage. So when I saw there was an opening at 94.7 Fresh FM, I was like, not only do I want to be in that space, but I also want to be another another Black voice that's on the pop side, because I feel like there could always be more of those. So doing nights there was great. And then it felt like home just being at WPGC. Now, you growing up in church, and you said growing up in church family, like, did you like sometimes sneak over to like and buy the unedited version of the CDs when you had your money? Uh, so one thing about my mom, we're not like classic PKs because like uh-huh. I never really had to sneak and do anything. Okay. I had to just ask her and mm-hmm. she's like, just get the clean version. I mean, you know what the dirty version sound like. You hear it at school. You download um, what was it? Not Napster. What was the other one Stop. we used? Yes! Mm-hmm. And then you could get all the dirty versions for free. Yeah. I had on my little Zen creative because I couldn't get the iPod. <laughs> so but that's how I got the dirty music and ended up listening to like Lil Wayne. Yeah. So before that, I had um I remember like the first CD I bought was Mace and Kmart used to sell the clean version. 
But cow doors, I don't know if you remember that, but cow doors. Oh, cow doors, take me back. <laughs> I know, right? They was out uh, a dirty version. And then they're inside the uh, mall. There was a uh, Suncoast, or F, which I think became FYE, or they was two separate ones out uh, in one of the malls in Baltimore. So when I would be in the mall, that's where I would get the dirty version. I remember one time I was ready to get the DMX CD, and my mother saw it. And of course, there's this bloody man, this dark and hell is hot. No, I you was can't. About that's, you could cover up the parental advisory sticker with your thumb. Bingo! That 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 cover. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, so I can understand. Um, you know, and, and my mother, she was the same way. She would be like, you can y'all can listen to what y'all want. And she would even let us listen to it in a car if it was clean. Mm-hmm. Now, my yes. sister, she accidentally bought her the um explicit version of Puff Daddy All in the Family that cd oh, and you know great. sitting there playing all about the benjamins I, <laughs> just, it's up loud and i remember i was playing a video game and i was like the little kim just say what i think she did and i was like what in the world so of course she didn't make her take it back she's like you just know you ain't supposed to say those words right <laughs> uh i'm trying to think what got me caught my dad was like doing something with my first car and mm-hmm. got in and it just started automatically playing. Remember when that used to happen? Yep. If you're close enough. Oh my goodness. And he was like, what in the world? It was little Wayne. It was like, what is it? Pleaser. That's oh. what it was. And my dad was like, ah, I wanted to burn the whole car. <laughs> it was bad, but yeah, it, it shaped my music interest and I love all genres. So I feel like where I'm at now is perfect with my mm-hmm. uh, position at Sirius XM. Not only am I touching everybody nationally, uh, like how I started with the National Syndicated Russ Park Morning Show, but now it's it's really every genre. We're, we're doing a countdown show that's just whatever people thumbed up. So like last week, I think I had Pink, I had uh, Pooh Shiesty, I had like everybody. It just it just is everything. So it's a perfect position to be in. Yeah, I think that's really good, especially for inclusion. You know, you because it mm-hmm. allows you to connect with everybody me um i know everything comes back to wrestling but like i would always buy the wrestling albums and you know a lot of the wrestling stuff is heavy metal rock and roll with occasional mm-hmm. rap and people are like what in the world are you listen to i was like oh that's just <laughs> the theme song you know and showing up like even like chris jericho his theme song is even you know some people may not like him at the moment but you know i'll play judas all day I love Judas. You know that. I, I dumped out the little bit of bubbly on my show, but I I sing that song every time. <laughs> but it's really what got me back into it because, like, uh-huh. when John Cena was a doctor of thugonomics, I was like, oh, I need to start watching wrestling regularly. It, it kept me back because at that point okay. in life, I'm thinking like around ruthless aggression. It was like, you know, when I was getting old, I was like, oh, I watch wrestling when I watch it. Mm-hmm. But when he became, when he started to switch over, I was like, this is the rap. Like, I love battle rap. I love rap that's not like terribly explicit, like at the time. And I was just like, I came back to wrestling regularly because of the Doctor of Thugonomics, which goes back to my roots in, in hip hop and pop and bringing it together. So I like, if, if I didn't love music, I don't think I would love wrestling. Wow. So that's why John Cena is your favorite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it makes sense. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't care what anybody say. He's the goat. Um, you you look at thank you. Um, you and you know, as much as this might not be popular, you already know I'm a Hogan fan. I'm yeah. a Brett fan, <laughs> and I respect what Bruno San Martino <laughs> did. But at the same time, like 
and I was I was explaining this to my mother the other day. I said, my, you know, like John Cena was on top longer than anybody. I said, yeah, Hogan was there, but then he went to WCW. I said, Bruno, it was just him. Uh, I mean, no disrespect to like superstar Billy Graham and Pedro Morales. Yeah. But Cena literally was like, he went through all eras, the, the Triple H's, the Rocks, the- And was on top the whole time. Top. Yeah. And and it, guess what? If he was there today, he would still be on top. You know, I kind of- be on was, top. I, you know, I, I'll admit, kind of miss John Cena. Uh, I miss him, but like that um, funhouse match that we got that took mm-hmm. us through his career- I was like, I understand if you stop here. Yeah. Or, but so many people were like, you know, because we got to see him in the NWO stuff. We got to see, he's going to come back as a heel. I'm like, Cena is never going to be a heel. Like, just get over that. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes him so special is like, I don't think of a time that he was ever a mid-carder or that he was ever like, it's just like, so obvious to me. So it bothers me when I meet wrestling fans and you know, some people are are gatekeepers, which is Mm -hmm. annoying. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Hey, how are you?" Be like, "Hey, oh, you like wrestling? Oh, you like who's your favorite wrestler, John Cena?" I'm like, and they walk away because they're like, "You don't know anybody. You just picked John Cena." This like saying your favorite wrestler is The Rock. But I'm like, but if it is, you know, I'm not gonna front. <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> what I said on uh, Clubhouse. Like, we all are fans. Like, whether you're just a fan of WWE or if you're just a fan of New Japan, don't bash yeah. other fans. Like, and, and yes. Dwayne has a saying. He said, "That's why people on the outside make fun of us now." He said, "Because we act like this and we cry when we can't get our way." You know, and and like I said, like with John Cena, um, you know, when he when he made that flip to the Doctor Thurgoodonics, even though he was U.S. champion, it was as if like, okay. We want to make sure we build you properly, but you're still must-see TV. So he was yes. a main inventor because he was facing Kurt Angle. So he was facing mm-hmm. top guys then. You know, y'all know me and Britt talk wrestling anytime. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps happening. But it really is like it, it, it was a full circle moment for my career. It was like mm-hmm. when people say, what brought you back to wrestling? It, it's John Cena and it's him being a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and that's, you know, that's really cool. Um, so how have you been able to, like, balance everything during the pandemic? Like, you know, between the, the radio in the mornings and then, you know, doing your stuff for Series FM and de- XM and then the <sighs> business, like. <laughs> Not well. Okay. <laughs> um, and that's something I'm learning and it's something I'm coming into. And, you know, you get you get in this position in life post 25 mm-hmm. where you feel like you're not fresh out of college anymore, but you also can't light a candle to people who have been doing the things that you're doing in the industry for 20 plus years. So I got into a, a part where I was like, I can't always say yes anymore because I find myself working 17 hour days and it doesn't matter how much you work out or how good you eat or how much sleep you try to get after 25 working these long hours, ain't it? So. Mm-hmm. I realized that about like the end of last year, I was burning out, I was sleeping through meaning, it was bad. And I was like, I'm gonna take a break from the things that like I don't have to do and I can stop doing stuff. So that's when I took a break from my wrestling show because I was like, I don't wanna ever create content out of like feeling like I have to. I wanna do it because I like it. Mm-hmm. And I also know that like you can get to a point and I'm sure you know this too because you've been doing stuff for so long. You can, you can edit something, you can produce something with your eyes closed. But I always think like, what is your potential if you can do something and feel really prepared? 
So I was working like mornings, working a whole day job, hosting a TV show, doing this, and then rushing to the arena to host a game. And I was like, how, if I'm good at this, can I be great at this if I actually spend the whole day focusing on this game and then put things off till tomorrow? Or if I actually pay attention to who I'm collaborating with and, you know, take time to do the research, listen to their shows, to have these kind of connections instead of just jumping on everybody podcast because they DM'd me, you know? It's, it's that kind of discipline that you really have to have. And I wish I had it earlier on. I want to take a quick minute to talk about mental health. As you all know, we are living in unprecedented times, whether it's the racial pandemic or the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, I want to introduce you to Hope Again Counseling Services, where transformation begins. Hope Again provides help for children, adolescents, adults, family, and couples so give them a call at 410-698-8442 or visit them on the web at yourhopeagain.com to book your appointment if you are willing to believe you will begin to achieve and ultimately hope again counsel and services can help you receive all that is meant for you yeah well, I, I, again i think you did a great job you know i can understand taking a break of course fans like me we was like man we want to an opinion but yes it's i'm coming back in march by the way Exclusive. March, yes so <laughs> Exclusive. Time, <laughs> season. um you know i, I and, and that's another reason why like uh well i want i'm glad you came on here but i was like trying to pace because i'm like i, I want to get you on the uh wrestling realm show yeah. around wrestlemania and i was like oh, oh yeah that's enough time where you can get your break where you could come on because you know we that's the that's our super bowl <laughs> that's our super bowl yeah i'm going back super duper duper soon with some new stuff and i'm so excited about it and this is the way i really wanted to come back so it's like oh how are you enjoying your time i was like you know working a five game wizards homestand <laughs> waking up before i am with the morning show doing my uh radio show but you have to make space in your life for the stuff that you really love mm-hmm. that you might not be getting paid for because it won't feel like a job um, you've inspired me with that with coming out and saying that you need a break sometimes to take your break and you having such a passion for something that you created like it's a different feeling you know like you can be like oh I did a really good job at work today like that's great but when you do a really good job at some stuff that you started it's a different level of fulfillment and like I hope to be where you are one day 10 years in like yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's um it's challenging especially when you're co-creating uh especially when when we first started it, we was in college we were like okay um you got work today no nah, i got work now nah, cool let's i'm on my way let's do a show all right bet mm-hmm. we could do that sometimes twice a week then you become adults life happened you have family so you got to plan accordingly uh so like even right now as we're recording penciled in saturday is <laughs> going to be a shoot day where we just yep and film stuff hopefully we can get it done you know the last time uh, it was a couple weeks ago like Dwayne came over and he was over here for about seven hours and we was just going over strategies and going over things but also it was also a time for us to kind of like relax because yeah we was doing so much outside of this but it was like okay we can you know essentially chilling together but also relaxing and you know watching other wrestling podcasts or watching wrestling so 
you know, it's um, it's definitely challenging, but you know, I have no doubts that you know my wrestling opinion will be celebrating a ten year anniversary on a huge platform. That's Yay. what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I know I always have fun. A couple of times I've been on there. Um, you got me in contact with uh Coley, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, did Title Tuesdays and messed around. The amount of belts that y'all collectively <laughs> have. Oh my gosh. Melt them things down a building at school. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, since that show, I got three belt sits. Since doing, uh, and to hashtag. everybody listening, that show wasn't that long ago. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, I, I bought the because it was. I bought the um, the scratched attitude era. I mean, scratched uh, logo right mm-hmm. after that, and then it was the um the Andre belt and then the uh the UK and you know but I got a chocolate wow. on the way man facts supposed to be here. yes <laughs> yes so, team chocolate I love chocolate I mean, always hold it down yeah I see you you've been holding that down now <laughs> you know I mean huh which was your first chocolate oh and for those who don't know chocolate is a uh special I guess it's a special line of uh clothing between pop culture mm-hmm. wrestling they got customized jackets so you know if you were a cartoon fan from the 90s they got content for you for us we they got wrestling shirt well they do got shirts like tank tops and stuff, yeah the jackets and think... the shorts are the flagships <laughs> yes i my first purchase was shorts because like i ain't happy like that. <laughs> so I shorts but my favorite has to be the faces of foley jacket okay um it has literally all of his different gimmicks except personas on the coat, That's so it's it's cool. it's one of my favorites. And have of you course, you know, I, him? I haven't. Okay. I have a plan, and this is I don't even know where this is coming from, but like I want him to officiate my wedding because he like officiates weddings. Okay. So hopefully, I marry a wrestling fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if and it's some people I've learned from kind of working in radio and just meeting and being around so many artists, it's like some people in your life. And it's different from wrestling because like wrestling fans are really tapped in with the superstars and really want to be close to them. Some people it's like, I don't want to meet you just yet until like, because I don't want to ruin the mystique, you know? I will say this. Um, th- that would be cool. And I mean, first of all, not to be sexist here, but you'll be the woman. So it'll be your day. So <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan or not, you will, uh, you can make that call. I mean, shout out to my wife. Uh, yeah. I came out to a theme music. Um, I'll go I ahead and say it. you could guess whose music it was. Um, and I did struck the pose. <laughs> of course, you did. That's cool. I um, want to see that video. Post that. I I ain't gonna post it, but I got you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah, but yeah, because then uh, that you know that'll open up a whole can of worms. You you still a hoagie fan? I'm like, look, man. Just just like who you like, and and <laughs> I understand people how people feel because i do also feel that way mm-hmm. but if you want to cancel somebody that is your personal decision yeah <laughs> don't put that on someone now i've had people and wrestling fans are so mean sometimes and they're supportive <laughs> but they're so i have had people promo i love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had to literally like um mute tweets that i've been on because people will hate me because mm-hmm. they're like, you disloyal. You watch AEW instead of NXT. Who do you think you are? Well, you got the nerve to have a, a, a show talking about wrestling and you over here watching the oh. D-League. I'm like, oh, wow. my gosh. Wow. That's crazy. They, they, 
they they you know is is crazy you know like i said yeah. we are um it's one of those things and you know wrong you will be chastised i haven't called him out about the last stuff he did but mm -hmm. i'm not going to let that like continue for me to i'm not going to hold that hatred uh but i will say like um you know i came out to the music and you know it would be lovely to see mick foley did you read his book i have it i haven't finished it okay yeah I, i've read it that's that's what made me a huge fan of his like um i think cactus jack is probably my favorite persona out mm -hmm. of all of them just because of that yep. music but you know the i don't get why people love dude love so much <laughs> i'm like i don't either but that was also a time when dude love was out i didn't i wasn't watching active wrestling because we mm -hmm. got rid of cable in 97 around the time when stone cold just before it was around brett when um bret hart was a heel and okay. at this at this time i'm like really transitioning like really watching sports real heavy but i'm still like turning on raw out of habit we yeah. get rid of it and then we don't get then uh 98 i discovered shock on saturday night and i remember thinking like man if i would have just known that it was on network tv this whole time i wouldn't have had this gap but so when do love was happening i mm -hmm. it, um you know i didn't know much about it so that's the reason why i wasn't like the yeah. do love guy the music is cool but yeah. uh I love mankind. I love mankind. Yeah. And, I mean, and what I love now is like the WWE network, people talk about whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a worthy investment because you get to relive moments that you just weren't around for. Mm -hmm. Whether you're just too young or whether you were in a, a, a stage where like you weren't watching wrestling. But some of my favorite like standout people, I've never seen them perform in arena like or i've never been to a show like people I, I love china i've never been there in the same room with her but like i see little kids like my um little cousin's daughter is obsessed with the bella twins okay. and i'm like what like how is she so obsessed i'm like gabby why do you like the bella twins and it's because of the WWE network because mm -hmm. she went back and watched the matches because she likes total bellas and total divas but i'm like it's so weird to me how like a 10 year old could love the Bella twins and have missed their entire era. But because yeah. of all this archive footage, we could be a fan of whoever. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. And even with it going over to Peacock now, that's oh. going to be you. You wait, watch your wrestling opinion will take off even more because you're going to have so Ooh, many. Fans. I received that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so many fans that who will have access to it because it was like, I ain't paying for the network because they just think it's new stuff. But because like when I know with uh, Xfinity, you automatically get Peacock. So mm -hmm. they're going, people are going to have access to wrestling that didn't have it before. And it's going to be a great time, I think, for a lot of us content creators. Yeah. And I, I've always wanted to, when I was thinking about putting a show together, I was like, I'm going to launch another page or something, mm -hmm. but I'm glad I kept it on my personal Instagram page because I get so many messages from people who follow me from Wizards, who follow me from the radio station or whatever, because they like sneakers, who now watch wrestling because of what they saw on my page. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I lost a couple of followers who didn't want to watch my wrestling <laughs> opinion, but it's, it's definitely something to be tapped into there. And as much as we hate sometimes when WWE depends on nostalgia, Sometimes it's necessary. I posted up me watching um, Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold and Sasha Banks. And there's people in my comments like, oh, what is that? I'm about to watch. Who had no idea who Sasha Banks was 
but was like Stone Cold. Okay, I'm about to watch it. And I was like, this is crazy. The amount of people who can become at least casual fans who aren't consuming any wrestling content now who just package it the right way. And you got to look at it too. You make wrestling cool. Um, what? <laughs> believe it or not, like, and this is one of the things that I was told. I never forget this one tweet. And I had posted, um, it was a, just a clip of like me and Dwayne talking about, uh, it was our Give Me the Book segment. And it was about rebooking Bret Hart's run in WCW. And <laughs> the dude tweeted, I don't know who these Negroes are, but I want them to win. I'm about to follow them. And because yes. we, you know, the production was, you know, up to par and we wasn't sitting up there acting crazy. We was just so two brothers talking wrestling, you know, mm -hmm. and it's good to see a lot of black wrestling uh, podcasts, you know, kind of been doing a lot of collaboration. But before, mm -hmm. a lot of people, they wasn't seeing that. So, you know, when they see a black woman talking wrestling, like I know, like, I had started following you, you know, one same last night. I was like, oh, we might be related. Um, yeah. In the media. And then, you know, one day you, it was when AEW was, um, before their first show, it was something about one of their announcements. And I remember, yeah. like, I, like, replied, and, like, and then you respond. I was like, oh, okay, so she's cool. She's not somebody who thinks, oh, I'm too big to talk to this person. And then, obviously, <laughs> you meet at the AEW I show. talk to strangers a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you, you can see where most people would think you wouldn't. And then, you know, we, yeah. um, we go to the AEW show we meet and, you know, you'll see like mm -hmm. people, you know, I, I remember standing next to uh, Antonio Banks, my boy, who's also a Corbett fan. And we was yeah. coming out of the, um, the, the pizza spot across the street. And I saw a crowd around you and you had your camera and I said, yo, that's Britt Waters. I'm about to go see, I'm going to go meet her and get a picture. And show sure up, and you know, and then obviously, you know, friendship and real life. We started a whole family. family. <laughs> right, you know. I like, love it. Yeah, so. And I miss that so much. I miss exactly. seeing people, like, I was in Starbucks the other day. You know, I'm in Starbucks every day, so that could be any day. But I saw this guy, and I was like, looking at it, and you know, when you work a million jobs, you don't know, who you, do I work with you? Where do I know you? And I was like, I sat next to it. Well, stood next to this man the whole time at the last raw that had fans that was wow. in DC. And I was like, you know, we talked the whole night, but you don't always know people don't, mm -hmm. you don't exchange information, but I'm like, how many people like around here have I just like had these amazing moments with him and, and we're missing out on that. Cause we can't go to shows. So it's good to do stuff like this. Yeah. You know, and then that's the thing I, I'm, I can't wait. I'm so I can, and I can't, I want things to be, and decency in order before we get back but i can't wait till we can because i do think it's going to be great between wrestling and sports because so many things we took for granted yeah you no know, it's i saw something was a lot of people walking together and they said will we ever have that confidence again where everybody can just be in a big crowd and mm -hmm. we all be together so it's um, scary and and it's and hearing sasha talk on broken skull sessions about the difference of just having some fake crowd noise pumped in. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure it's affecting them in a different way, just like it affects us in a different way. I mean, the last mania, I mean, I was on a Zoom with a whole bunch of wrestling marks, but like, it wasn't the same. Yeah. And, and knowing the opportunities around mania that come for indie wrestlers mm -hmm. to have events and to have signings and stuff like that, that aren't happening. And 
and all the promotions that might never come back because of what COVID has done. Like, it's a scary feeling, but I definitely appreciate the times that we did have and I can't wait to do it again. Have you ever been to WrestleCon? Did you go in Jersey? I didn't. I didn't. Okay. You know me. Yeah, I went to the <laughs> one in uh, 2013, the first one. Matter of fact, I went with uh, Mia Yim. She was facing uh, Awesome Kong in the opening night of Shimmer. And just to take you back, on that Shimmer show was Mia Yim, Allie, Leva Bates. Uh, uh, what's her name? Aja Kong, who's in um, New Japan. Yep. And um, I want to watch this now. Yeah, uh, who else was it? Ember Moon when she was Athena. All these people. Oh, Oscar. And I, I um I didn't even realize my boy was like uh Blake was like, yeah, Oscar was there too. I was like, she was. And, you need to uh, have an Oscar conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and uh Billy Kay. And I remember uh because I was a huge fan of Jesse McKay. I mean, yeah, she mm-hmm. was Jesse McKay on the uh indies, and you know. So all of these people was on the show. Zelina Vega was Rosita at the time. And, you know, just seeing all of them and at this convention, I got to meet the uh, late, great Butch Reed that day. And I didn't recognize. I remember I, I got a picture and I said to Corey, who was that again? He's like, Butch Reed. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's why I interviewed the Mean Street Posse. Uh, <laughs> that interview is on, the, uh, interviewed them and, uh, and Eugene. And wow. they were really cool. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got to get to, uh, uh, WrestleCon. Um, yes. Be before amazing. we got here, the uh, show is called Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling. So when was the moment that Britt Waters oh. broke through the glass ceiling where you realized, I'm pretty good at what I'm supposed to, I'm pretty good at what I do, and I'm here? Oh. Thankfully, a few times, but I would have to say definitely getting chosen for NBA All-Star. That was crazy to me because I have been hosting in the WNBA for years, the AFL. I touched every other league, it felt like, except the NBA. And it wasn't my first time trying to be an NBA host. Other times it didn't work out. So to be in my first season with the Wizards and only have a few months in as an NBA host and to be chosen to be an all-star host, like not every host goes. There's people who have been hosting for years and didn't get to go. Mm -hmm. I like... My boss called me and she's like, oh, there was an NBA rep at one of the last games. We have some things to talk to you about. And I'm like stressing, I'm sweating. And they call me and I just cried like a baby. Wow. I was like, because you know, you oh, I think it just comes with being in the spotlight and even being a millennial too, that you have self-doubt mm-hmm. because not everything else is always as reassuring as, as it could be, you know? So that moment was like, wow, I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be here. You know, as much as people say, like, you need to get back to full time radio. I was like, I really love being in a capacity that I'm in now and it allows me to do everything else and and getting that reassurance. It felt so good. Like now. What and the, it was an intimidating experience. I can imagine now. Also, that's the first all star game after losing Kobe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was very uh, fresh. Yeah. And. You know, how did you deal with that? You being like me, a huge Kobe fan, like me, I cried. Like I was in New Orleans. I get the Corey sent the text in the group and my manager was standing right next to me. And I said, no effing way three times. Another doctor uh, at this conference, I had just finished filming one doc, our doctors. And um, another doctor said, oh, I thought you lost your footage. And my first thought was, I wish that's what I was saying. But to find that out. But you getting 
this opportunity right after that, like, how much did that mean to you, especially considering you've been a fan of his? It meant everything. When I found out uh, Kobe passed, I was in New York City doing my radio shows on New 1027. I found out right before my show. And I was like, mom, I'm going to tell my boss I'm sick. And I was in New York, so it's kind of closer to Jersey. And I was like, and I'm just going to come home and cry in your lap. And she was like, is that the mama mentality? Is that what you want to do? And I was like, <laughs> And it was wow. like, a part of me had to continue to work. And I just went through that mentality for so long because I had to compartmentalize. So I was like, to get through that show, I mean, I had to talk about it a few times, but I kind of pretended it didn't happen. Okay. And I... I, Nick, I shouldn't have done this, but I did it for the next like week or two, because when I got selected for all-star, the first thought in my head was, oh my gosh, I get to meet Kobe Bryant. Like, you know, yeah. so I was hyped for that. And I just kind of put it aside. But when I got to all-star and it's like, not only are you surrounded by NBA fans and NBA personnel during the events, but the whole city is filled. Like our whole entire hotel was the NBA. So you were around people who were going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time I stopped having doubt that it happened and compartmentalized and pretending and actually dealt with it. You know, we all cried when the tribute happened together and just being surrounded by so much love and people that loved him just as much. It was therapeutic. And okay. I was just so glad to be in there and there in the capacity that I was because everybody was going through the same thing. Wow. That's it's, um, it's interesting, like, you know, you said your mother said, is that the Mamba mentality? Because I was in the middle of editing a video. And that wow. was the first thing I thought of. All right, Kobe was like, boy, if you don't get your up and right? keep editing. And it's like so many people have said that in different ways, like to keep that Mamba mentality, just to go to show you the uh, type of impact that he had. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get a chance to see him in person? Um, I saw him in games, but I never had a conversation with him or got that close. But um, I remember his last, his last, I saw him a few times, actually, because me and my dad, of course, during Allen Iverson era, used to always go to games. So he did the Kobe games. And then I last saw him play his last season at Staples Center. Okay. Um, and then every time he was around in D.C. So I was always at the games, but never like on a personal level. But it's one of those things, too, that like. I don't know. I have a really weird thing with meeting people that you're obsessed with because I never want to be let down yeah. and I'm okay with it. I'm just like, I know who he is in my head and who he, it means to me. And yeah, it's, it was a moment that I'm glad I got to have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just I, about the first game I covered when I was working with Fox Sports 1340, first NBA game was his uh, final game in D.C., and if you remember, I believe it was uh, right before his last game in Philly where he made the announcement mm -hmm. and then the D.C. game. And, you know, everybody was there. And one of the best things that happened to me was uh, meeting Michael Eric, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. And oh, shout out to him. He's good yeah, people. Just having a conversation with him while we were you know, waiting to get in the media part. Uh, mm -hmm. where Kobe was doing his press conference. And I said something. I said, oh, man, you're Kobe now. I'm saying I didn't realize it was him, but I saw he he had a jersey under his suit jacket. And I said, oh, oh you're a Kobe fan just like me. We got to get a picture. And he kept telling me, he said, I told him he's better than Jordan. I said, let me shake your hand because I feel the same way. And so. Kobe's the greatest to me. I mean, you know that. I got, where, where, where's my Kobe at? <laughs> <laughs> 
See, they I got go. love. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? I gotta ask. My best friend got it for me in college, and it somehow survived this whole time. It's from Fathead, though, so it's probably okay. on Fathead's website. But for me, it was like everybody I looked up to or was a fan of mm-hmm. was also a fan of Kobe. So I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Kanye fan. So when Kanye made songs about Kobe, who made a whole T-shirt design for Kobe, who said Kobe is the greatest, and you know. Kanye, I'm sure thinks herself is the greatest, but to be honest, that Kobe's better than him. It's it's crazy. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, Brett, I don't know. It took up a lot of your time. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you've been having a very busy schedule filled with lots of media requests. I'm glad you could fit your bloodline. <laughs> this is family time. This is there, that's what that is. There you go. There you go. Um, let the people know where they can find you. Um, at on Instagram, all social media at it's Britt Waters, I T S B R I T T Waters. Um, Brittwaters.com is where I put like my personal, I mean like my professional stuff. You can listen to me on Sirius XM, channel three. Tuesdays at 6 p.m. for the Pandora Thumb 20, all of the Wizards home games. Just, I could, I could do this for days. So just <laughs> Google me, I'll show up. There you go. Y'all wish you said Google her. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me and continuing to do all of the platforms that you do. We appreciate it. Like, I love hearing you talk about wrestling, but I also love to hear all of the stories of people that I didn't even know on the Breaking the Glass Ceiling show. I was like, oh, I didn't even know about them. Like so many, half the people I follow on Twitter in the industry are people that I've just seen off of them being on your show. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with my family, Britt Waters. Make sure you follow her on all social media platforms at It's Britt Waters. Next week, we continue Women's Month here on Breaking Through the Glass Ceilings as I bring on the one and only Miss Tarika Foster Brasby. Tarika is a superstar multimedia journalist and podcast producer at ESPN, and she will come on to share her story as she was instrumental in getting a women's basketball podcast. So you won't want to miss that conversation as well as we talk about one of my favorite podcasts that's no longer here, but we'll talk about that more. So make sure you tune in folks, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't done so shoot a five-star rating, you know, and connect with the guest I have on here. If you, this is your first time listening, go back and listen as many people have came on and told great stories. So that's one of the reasons why I love doing the show. Folks, remember, do not let anyone set up a ceiling that you can't break through. This podcast is brought to you by Be Waters Productions. You can follow Be Waters Productions on all social media platforms. And the music is produced by Hypno Beats. Follow on Instagram at Hypno underscore Beats with a Z.